We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Lays it in. Zach Levine does it again. A shot on the back. The crossover. Levine. Get up or get out the way, Trey Young. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. And Jason, we have an emergency episode, but it's like a really sad, bummer emergency episode. Kobe White, torn labrum in his left shoulder, out four to six months. The earliest portion of that timeline would put him back basically right at the start of the season. And the subtext to this is that today the NBA announced that next season is going to run on schedule. Uh, Training camps start on September 28th. The regular season starts October 19th. Uh, So next season is going to be running on the typical schedule uh, that the league has always ran on before the pandemic. Uh, That's good for the Bulls in a sense because it's a short off season, right? Like uh, the season will be here before we know it. However, Kobe White injured going into what was going to be a huge offseason for him ahead of his third year in the league. Uh, just really devastating news yeah. on a number of levels. Yeah, this uh, this fucking sucks. I mean, to put it bluntly, um, I know we've had it. We've criticized Kobe. We've been hard on him. We've wondered whether he's an actual long term piece for this team. But uh, to do that, brutal. Yeah, and it happened apparently just like basketball activities away from the team. So, I mean, you assume that means he was like just playing pickup. Uh, hurt his left shoulder. I guess it's good that it's not his shooting shoulder, but still, yeah, four to six months is absolutely brutal. Again, like you said, like that means he's going to spend all offseason rehabbing and instead of like focusing, working hard on his game. Like obviously he can do some of that while he's rehabbing, but not to the level like he could have been doing. Uh, that means he's going to miss probably part of training camp and preseason, and he could miss part of the start of next season, depending on how how the rehab goes and if he goes more towards the long end of this timeline. Uh, and that would be brutal. And the Bulls are already in a situation. I guess the third year you mentioned, just a third year is always big because the play, uh, rookie guy, guys in the rookie contract, first round picks, they become extension eligible after year three. So he was looking to make a big jump. He had finished this past season strong. So he was hoping to build on that, uh, getting getting that those reps with uh, Zach and Vooch. Uh, so that's that. this is going to be a bit of a setback now for that too. And then just for the team in general. I mean, we already knew the Bulls, Needed help at point guard, even with Kobe there. We'll see if Tomas Sadaransky is still there. But now without him, I mean, it, it just makes that even more dire. Even if 
you thought the Kobe is better as an off-ball guy, maybe as a, as a bit bench player. I mean, he was starting the end of the year as the starting point guard. We'll see what the Bulls look to do this offseason. Uh, but you have to think this just makes the, even more of a priority to go make an upgrade. And I think they, they knew that. I mean, all the reporting out there is suggesting the Bulls are going to go try to make that upgrade in the backcourt at point guard. I mean, the Lonzo rumors have been out there. We've talked about these guys on all these pods, whether they could try to go big with uh, somebody like Kyle Lowry or – uh, Mike Conley. It's, I mean, it sounds like Chris Paul's going to be a free agent, but I can't imagine Chris Paul's leaving the Suns when it looks like they might go to the damn NBA finals. Uh, either way, I mean, there's even, there's lesser names out there too. I mean, Dennis Schroeder, I know he sucked in the playoffs. I'm kind of, and him, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of names out there that they can at least get some type of upgrade. And I think with Kobe out now, uh, they, and, and they needed help to begin with, they, they need more help now. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's just a huge bummer. I mean, and it's just so bulls where, uh, we're not even whatever with the, the season ended a month ago for them and not even <laughs> or a month in the off season. Now we already have a devastating injury to one of their key young players. And again, even though we've been hard on Kobe, we're not totally sure what he is yet. This hurts to, when, in terms of his arc and development, like if he misses time next season, that'll, that'll really, really, really suck. So hopefully he'll be, he'll recover quickly. Hopefully he'll be more towards that four month mark, but uh, it's still a setback. Any way you put it for him, for the team as, as AK and company look to re, uh, retool this roster. So it's just a huge bummer here. I don't know where on a, on a th- lovely Thursday afternoon, really, really ruined my, my fucking day. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's disappointing on numerous levels, I guess, start with Kobe's perspective, because like you said, this third year, he was going to be playing for his second contract. And that's uh, just such a huge thing in the NBA. That's where your real money is on your second contract. Kobe, I would say after his first two years in the league, he could still go either way, right? Yep. Like if he had a big third year, he could still, you know, maybe get a 50, 60, $70 million deal, depending on how good he is third year. Uh, or he could be someone who, you know, might need to take a prove it deal, uh, could follow a similar path to Lowry Markman perhaps. So he has still a lot of variance in his outcome as an overall player. I think he has some pretty defined strengths, pretty defined weaknesses. And that's why this offseason was going to be so big for him. I think it was going to be a huge offseason for him just in terms of like working on his handle. That was something that he has just really struggled to control the ball in tight spaces for his first two years in the league. It's something that definitely limits his ability as a dribble penetrator when he is, you know, playing the nominal point guard role. You would think that like he probably won't be asked again to be the lead point guard. I mean, certainly we didn't think that he was going to go into next season as their starting point guard. We don't know who the guy in that position is going to be, but especially with the addition of Vucevic who could handle a little bit of the playmaking duties, like Kobe's not going to be asked to be your lead engine anymore as he was sort of somewhat foolishly at the start of the season. Uh, But there was still a lot of other areas that he could improve. And I mean, you still need to be able to handle the ball, control the ball in tight spaces. So that was going to be a big thing for him. Uh, just strength. Bulking up. I, I think he, that like he needed yeah. to get significantly stronger. Uh, he won't be able to do that know. now. Now with the torn labrum. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So he's not going to be able to bulk up at all. Uh, so that just really hurts his offseason strength training. And then, you know, just like every other aspect of the game that comes with it too. Like he'll be able to watch film and stuff, but he just needs reps and just like, I think summer basketball usually is really beneficial for people. There's a lot of stories on how Julius Randall remade his game coming into this last season with all the work he put in, in the summer and Kobe was going to need to have one of those big off seasons. So just devastating for him personally. 
Uh, and even though we've been critical of Kobe, like he seems like a chill guy. He had that sort of cool initiative where uh, he was wearing like sweatshirts for a lot of causes uh, during the season. So definitely seems like a, like a likable guy, someone you want to root for. We hope that, uh, you know, he can get better and continue to improve as a player. So this injury is really unfortunate in that regard. And then also from the team's perspective, it's like the Bulls are pretty clearly in sort of win now mode. There's only so many guys on the roster who are actually attractive as assets. We don't know what Kobe's trade value would have been to, you know, right. the rest of the league, but you probably got to think he's got higher trade value than the majority of the players on the team besides for Patrick Williams. They're not going to trade Zach or Vooch. Uh, you know, he probably has higher trade value than marketing at this point. Oh, so. Yeah. It really handicaps the team, too, in terms of what they can do into this offseason. But more than anything, I'm just disappointed for Kobe because, uh, you know, it just sucks to suffer an injury like this. And like you said, it is classic Bulls. Yeah. And like a few days ago, I think the Bulls Twitter account tweeted him out with his new haircut. He's got his fresh new cut. Uh, they're all all excited about that. New, He's new never Kobe cut that White. Hair again. What's that? He's never going to cut that hair again. Right, yeah, no, yeah. So all that kind of stuff, new Kobe White, and then like a day later or whatever it was, he suffers this injury and he needs to undergo the surgery. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, you mentioned the trade value stuff. Like if the Bulls are like looking to trade Kobe, which I th- we have talked about, like obviously all these, most of these guys should be on the table. No one's really untouchable. Like, I don't know if it'll like hurt too much. Like obviously if he misses the start of next year, that's tough. But I mean, he still is young, 21 years old or whatever. So like, non-shooting shoulder it's not like it's an achilles it's not like it's an acl and obviously i mean guys come back from those injuries all the time now uh but even so like i, I don't know if this will like really hurt his trade value that much probably a little it doesn't obviously doesn't help it maybe just like a little bit hurts. what's that i think it hurts it pretty significantly like do you i, I don't know yeah just because he's not going to be available for the entire off season like True. he's going to be starting from behind you got to think that i mean it's likely that he is missing the first game of the season. Probably. A, that's probably a safe bet at this point. Yeah, I mean, like I said, four, four to six, that yeah. would be like four months. And I think what, like a week at this point where it would be uh, the start of next season. So I'm mean, probably, he's, he's just going to be behind the whole year. Yeah. I feel like, you know, trying to integrate him into a new team when first he's just got to rehab and get healthy. I think it really does hurt his trade value, but we'll see. I could be totally wrong. I, I think it hurts it. I just don't know like how much, because I think like if a team is like wanting to trade for Kobe white, I'm guessing that like, whatever they like him in general, they think he'll come back fine. Maybe they don't even care about the start of next season. I mean, I'm assuming if you're trading Kobe white, we're it's probably in a package for someone like a bigger, better player. Like, I don't know if the bulls would be looking to trade him just to like to sell him off. Uh, I mean, maybe they would. I feel like we have talked about possible Kobe white trades and like trading him for another young guy. And maybe something else. What was the trade we were talking? Was it Melton? Was Melton the one we were talking about, like trade Kobe and like for Melton and like a pick? Uh, Love it. Maybe yeah. Situ- like yeah, I got, I got, like I don't know. Yeah, I, like it. De- like I said, it definitely. Obviously, it hurts it a little bit. I mean, an injured guy trading an injured guy is, it's not obviously not ideal. I just don't know like how much and like if it would really nuke like a, a big trade the Bulls would really like to make with them. I don't know. Maybe, who knows? Either way, it it does it makes their life tougher just in terms of. Like there's more pressure now to add more to the roster, even though I think they knew they had had to already. Like you don't want to do something, go out and do something stupid now just because of this injury. But I think in general they knew that they had they had more, a lot more changes to make. They need to retool this roster. Still, so Kobe White injury or not, this just puts a little more pressure on him. It sucks for him the most, uh, and they just they're, they're just gonna have to get over it. I mean, it's just another thing with again, so Bulls, 
even new new regime and we still got this bullshit happening crazy stuff off-season injuries like it's it's just really tough and i don't know i guess I don't, I don't know what else to say at this point just a real huge bummer again for kobe white and for the bulls we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Any, any other thoughts on Kobe here? <laughs> Not really. Just really just pointing. Uh, I guess we could do a quick runaround of the playoff series. Let's do it. Super quick. So... Bucks Nets garbage garbage so game this, tonight. <laughs> this game started with a Brooklyn minus three and a half line. I thought it was the, I thought know, the Bucks. I'm sorry, Brooklyn plus yeah. three and a half. Brooklyn yeah, yeah. plus three and a half. That seemed like the most ridiculous line in NBA history to me because Brooklyn was up by like 50 in game two. I think they ended up winning by like just under 40. They it was 49. Game. It was 49. <laughs> They won by 49. No, they were up by 49. They won by 30, 39, 36, 39, like 38. Yeah. yeah, whatever. Uh, that was the point I was trying to make. But yeah. uh, I couldn't believe the Bucks were a three and a half point favorite coming into the game. I saw that and my thought is that's totally a trap. No one should bet on that game. Uh, but for whatever reason, the line was just in my head the entire night while watching it. And incredible that it ends with three point win. three point bucks win uh just the ultimate rock fight is what that game was 2000s basketball basically 2000 eastern conference basketball (laughs) and how does that happen brooklyn had the most efficient offense in league history this year the bucks had a top five offense in efficiency uh this was just a legendary night from chris middleton who was really struggled the first two games of the series he was on fire Giannis was playing well, but for some reason he kept shooting threes and he shot like one of eight, eight from three. And the free throw like, thing with him these days and like the count, the 10 count and all that crap. And he just can't make him either. Like Giannis is, is, is fascinating at this point. I've always been a big Giannis guy. And obviously like the last couple of years, he's had the playoff issues uh, and they're, I'm there cropping up again. And I mean, he still puts like he put up huge numbers today. He put up huge numbers in game one, but like the jacking of the threes and like the ISO ball, I mean, that's just not the way to, was the, the Bucks like didn't really do that all year. I mean, the, they got to get Giannis on the move, get him inside, dominate in the paint. Him just pulling up and taking these early clock threes is just like, I mean, with Blake Griffin guarding him, like it's a crime against basketball. What the hell are you doing, man? And yeah, we, I think he had what 30 some points today. Him and Middleton combined for almost all their points. Uh, but they yeah, did he, have literally all their points in the first quarter. Yeah, and they were up thirty to nine after or thirty something like that. I saw when I checked, it was thirty to nine. I wasn't watching the first quarter, but I checked my phone. It was thirty to nine, and then like the the Nets immediately made a huge comeback, and then like the rest of the game was just both teams, like you said, rock fight. There was a point in the fourth quarter where I think both teams went three minutes without scoring, kind of reminiscent of like the twenty sixteen game seven NBA Finals. 
Uh, and then KD and Middleton were going at it for a while. And then KD hit that dagger three and you thought it was all over. Uh, and then the Nets just totally fell apart. Like Bruce Brown was trying to play the hero with his weird floater shit. And Joe Harris couldn't make an open shot. And then Middleton, I think Drew Holiday hit the go ahead uh, layup. Uh, I think that was the game winner, right? And then were there free throws or I can't remember how exactly it ended, but KD had that last shot at the end to possibly tie it, but just a super bizarre game. It's just been a super weird series. Like I think a lot of people thought this was going to be an awesome series. And once like James Harden went out in game one, you're like, all right, maybe the Bucks like legitimately have a chance here. And then for them to get punked in those first two games, just in, in embarrassing fashion, it was like, what are these guys doing? And then they almost blow this game after being up 20 something in the first quarter. Like, I don't even like, I, I've seen people say like, I almost feel worse about the Bucks, even though they won this game. Like it's good that they won, make this a more interesting series. Game four has a lot more going for it now instead of it being three zero and maybe like a gentleman sweep type and the Nets like totally just like lay down and go in in game five. Now at least like the Nets will have to try. We'll see if Harden's back. Um, but it just, the Bucks have just been so weird. After they, they dominated, it looked like they were ready to come into the series and really play well after destroying Jimmy Butler and the Heat, completely just owning them in like every facet. And, and now they just... Their offense has been so bad. And again, Giannis, it's on Giannis. Mike Budenholzer just gets clowned every game. Uh, he, terrible playoff coach. Just weird series so far, man. <laughs> yeah. Now, my I thought that Brooklyn was going to win this game, and it was shocking that yeah, they did. I thought so, too. Uh, it seemed like it was over. Like, it was going to be, again, gentleman's sweep. Like, Brooklyn wins the first three. Bucks win. Joe Harris four. was absolutely killing him. He went one for 11. He missed a wide-open long two, mid-range two, in, like, the final minute, 30 seconds of this game that, like, literally me or you could have hit. I mean, not in that <laughs> situation. We also would have totally I would have airballed it. <laughs> but uh, how Joe Harris missed that shot, I thought, was unbelievable. Uh, so many Bruce Brown floaters. I mean, this entire game was like Giannis three-pointers versus Bruce Brown floaters. Brown actually was hitting them in the second quarter, I think. And then yeah, he had a nice little uh, run. In the Bucks were attacking him too. I felt like when he switched on to Middleton, Middleton was just shooting right over the top of him. Let it be said, a legendary Middleton game. I mean, the Bucks are down 3-0 without Middleton being a total badass in this game. 35 points, 15 boards, goes shoots 12 to 25 from the field. I feel like history is not going to be kind to Chris Middleton. People are going to look at him as the reason Giannis couldn't win a title in Milwaukee, most likely because that was the second banana. But dude, Middleton is awesome. He's been awesome for the last three years or so. Maybe he's not the lead initiator you need to win a championship with Giannis as sort of your... Yeah, he's had, you know, he's had, he's had some tough playoff. Point, yeah. But dude, that was a great Middleton performance in a super clutch situation. And they absolutely don't win that game without him. Like Drew was not good in this until game. that yeah until that last layup <laughs> for nine points. Yeah, he did hit uh, the layup at the end. Like basically this entire game, it was like what sixty eight of the eighty six points were by Middleton and Giannis. Yep. So just terrific Middleton game. And I totally blame Bud. I blame <laughs> Bud for a lot of this, but. I totally blame him for the Giannis threes. Why don't they just have Giannis as the screener every time down? I mean, everyone who has a Twitter account knows that Giannis is the role man. Get him rolling to the rim in the half court. Play with pace so you can attack and transition and semi-transition. And Milwaukee just doesn't do it. Bud goes totally galaxy brain with the minutes. He basically puts Giannis in a position to take those threes by letting him bring up the ball because, like, the Nets were basically standing at the free throw line when Giannis is bringing up the ball at the top of the key. They're just begging him to shoot. And he kept fucking missing. He goes one for eight. So 
I blame Bud. I thought they should have fired Bud coming into the season. And then they swing the deal for Drew, and Drew has just been such a killer the entire year. Obviously, the Nets are a real tough matchup for anyone, but, I mean, you lose Harden 43 seconds into game one. If that's not going to level the playing field, nothing is going to. And this has been a humiliating series for the Bucs up to this point. Now, I did see someone tweet, I think it was Seth Partnow said, this reminded me of game three of the 2019 Eastern Conference Finals. In that scenario, the Bucs were up 2-0 game against the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Raptors end up winning, I think, in double overtime in the third game of that Eastern Conference Finals series. Raptors go on and win the series, go on and win the championship. If the Bucs would have gotten that game, they'd be up 3-0 in the 2019 Conference Finals. You know, the Bucs are going to the finals against a Warriors team that is about to not have Clay and Durant. So, you know, that was really the biggest blown opportunity in Bucks history. Yeah, for sure. I don't actually get that vibe from this because I think Brooklyn is just too talented. And the Nets uh, were just awful today. Just awful shooting game for uh, Joe Harris again, one of 11 Kyrie was off. I mean, Katie was off until like the, that at the end there, when he hit some of those dagger shots, they was bad. They shot 36%, eight of 32 from three. This is like the best offense of all time, even without Harden, they've been ridiculous and a completely terrible shooting game. And they still almost won this game and they were still in position to possibly win. Uh, I feel like that's just bad news for the Bucks. Probably, maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? Maybe the Bucks come out and actually play well in game. Well, four. Yeah, it, like I saw people say that, like, oh, this is bad news for the Bucks. But it's like this is a game that you just got to fucking win. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter if it's yeah. pretty. You're down two zero in the second round. Uh, you just got to win this game. Yeah, so your home, home court, yeah, home court. To me, there's no such thing as a bad win in no. this scenario. The Bucks just absolutely had to get that game, and quite frankly, I didn't think they were going to be able to get it. <laughs> I agree. Especially after Durant hit that shot. So, uh, you know, big time win by them. Game four gets really interesting now. I anticipate the next, the Nets are going to win this series in five. That would I be might my be guess. totally wrong about that, but that is the vibe I've been getting from this series since it started. Nets just look like a killer. And then we'll end on this, I guess, in the West. So as we're recording this, Utah is up four on the Clippers with seven minutes left in the second quarter. So that game still has a a ways to go. That's game two of their second round series. But I'm going to say, you know, the Suns are just blowing out. Nuggets Nuggets just don't have enough firepower. MPJ's hurt. Hurt. You know, Murray out. Dozier. PJ Dozier out. And then Will Barton back. back, But like. He's been out in the playoffs up to this point. So Denver, just no guards. Uh, but let's say Phoenix, Utah, Clippers. Which of those three do you think is most likely to come out of the West? I mean, I tweeted this last night. Like, I'm kind of leaning towards the Suns now. Uh, they're, they're, their starting lineup is just playing so well together. Both ends of the court, absolutely dominant. And, like, they're just, like, built for the for playoff success. And with CP3 and Booker, CP3 looks like he's a lot healthier now. Just like two guys who can slow down the offense and just get buckets in the half court, get to their spots, score in mid range. Uh, and then like Aiton has been dope as hell. His development coming along in these playoffs has been great. And then they got two, three and D guys with Crowder and Michael Bridges, like both playing their roles really well. Just tough three and D guys can hit threes, can defend multiple positions. And then obviously off the bench, they have a few decent bench players. A cam- our guy campaign has been great. They got uh, Cam Johnson, another shooter, Dario Saric. Uh, and then I think, and Torrey Craig, another solid, just like three and D versatile guy. So like they go nine deep, 
nine solid players, a great starting lineup. And like looking, I mean, the Jazz are obviously pretty formidable. The Clippers, I, I don't even know what to make of the Clippers. They went to seven against they went to seven against the Mavs, barely beat them. I mean, they, they still have Kawhi and PG. Sometimes you never know what you get with PG. He was bad in game one. Uh, I mean, Kawhi has just been a killer in the playoffs, has been. Like, they're obviously really good. They can shoot the hell out of the ball. But, like, the Suns just are playing just so well on both ends of the court. Like, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards them. Yeah, I don't know. What do I, you think? I agree with you, but I really feel like all three teams have a 33.3. Yeah, I would, I, I would agree with that. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to think of the last time it felt like this, and it was when you had Philly, the Raptors, and the Bucks in 2019 yeah. in the East, when you had three teams in the second round where it's like, well, it feels like all these teams have an equally good chance to make it to the finals out of the conference. Uh, I don't know. I could talk myself into any of the three. I do think there's some recency bias with the Suns, and the Suns are pounding yeah. a Nuggets team that has no guard. Yeah, for I mean, sure. it's just not a fair fight without Murray and then without, you know, two of their better depth guys. So I still don't know, like, who guards Kawhi in this Utah series. Now, Utah can still absolutely win this series. I picked Utah in seven. So I, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I really felt like this series is a coin flip, but yeah, uh, the Suns match up well with Utah, I think. They do. Yeah. I mean, the and, Suns match up well with anyone. Right. Like I said, their starting lineup is like just like ideal. I know they're still they have some young guys, and like we'll see like as this goes along, like how that how they handle that kind of pressure. But like, I mean, complete starting lineup again. Like I said, both ends of the court, they're really you know, what good. they don't have is a backup five. They have no one behind yeah. it's Kaminsky. It's fucking Frank the tank. <laughs> or Dario, and Dario's too yeah. small. Yeah. So, but it's not like if they play the Clippers, the Clippers aren't going to like pound them with Zubox inside. And this Clippers have been playing small. I know they started Zubox tonight, but like he's played five minutes so far through and the first half is almost over. Like he barely, and they, they go with like Batum at the five sometimes. Or right. Like Marcus Morris. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'll go Suns too. The Suns, I do just ride like that wave. Good. I was, I was on the Suns bandwagon when the season started. Uh, and I'm just going to ride the wave with them until they lose. So I'll just rock with them. They're fun. Yeah. Their fans, their, their crowd has been incredible. Fans having a great time. Uh, so I'll just, and them beating the Lakers. Oh, also great too, to have that feather in their calves. So I'll just ride with the Suns. Well, I'm in cash uh, considerations. We're a Suns podcast. Yeah, now. absolutely. I, I know, I, I know our guy, Mark, uh, Karen Sulis is also a Suns guy. He was, he was, he, right. I mean, just, he was, he was right. on, he was on the trade. The Bulls should trade for Chris Paul bandwagon before the Suns traded for him. I know we talked about it last offseason. He was right. If the Bulls would have traded for Chris Paul this year, they would have definitely they would have been probably the four or five seed. Probably they yeah. would have won a lot more games. Chris Paul has been absolutely incredible. He's been just, I mean, awesome. He's helped transform that team. He's helped make book made Booker a better all, overall player. And I guess I'll use this to just go into my last little spieler as we finish up. I wrote something for Bloggable. Just uh just about like watching these other young guys, Devin Booker, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell is having another huge game already. Uh, he had, what, 45 in game one. He's got 21, I think, so far. we got six minutes left in the second quarter here as we're doing this podcast on 9 of 12 shooting. Uh, he's been just a playoff killer so far the last couple of years. Uh, and just watching these guys and thinking about Zach Levine, Zach Levine's never been in the playoffs. Obviously, some of that is on him. Uh, he has his flaws. We know that we've talked about the mad nauseum, but just like he also has had a bunch of dog shit around him with the bulls. And just like, I want to see Zach, see Zach get his playoff opportunity and see if he can 
match what these guys do. Like we've seen Booker had 47 in that game six against the Lakers. Trey Young became the villain at Madison Square Garden and and shoved it shoved it right up their ass. Like Mitchell is having these huge games. Like I want to see Zach have that opportunity. And for him to do that, the Bulls need to get better players around him. They have Vooch, but they have a lot more work to do. And I just want to see him at least get the chance. Like maybe he wouldn't be as good as these guys. Again, he's got the flaws. Would he, could he handle the pressure? Would the decision-making in the playoffs when he's got more attention on him in these games and when the scouting is against him? Could Zach hold up to that? I don't know. I just want to see him get that opportunity because it's awesome to see these all these other this younger generation of players get this chance, and they're all killing it. Well, again, these three guys I mentioned – Jamal Murray did it last year. Luca is obviously on another level, but like he's been killing it. So just like, I want to see Zach in the playoffs, man. I want to see him get buckets and I want to see him just help change the narrative because I think there still is kind of a narrative around Zach that he's just a great score, but can't do anything else. Empty stats guy. And like some of these other guys have had that narrative as well. They actually get players, good players around them in improvement and better and better coaching. And now they're changing that narrative for them and like killing it in the playoffs and making big impacts. So I just want to see get Zach get that chance, and uh, again, hopefully, hopefully that'll happen next year. Like I said, I've I've said my expectations are they should be playoffs or bust next season, and uh, hopefully they can do it. And uh, that that's it. That's my spiel there about Zach Levine and uh, playoff basketball. I want a winnable series too. Like, yeah. don't put yourself in a position where you got to play the Nets in the first round. Right. Yeah. Just give yourself a chance. Play the Hawks. Play someone who you're gonna at least have. A puncher's chance against. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and on paper, I mean, the East uh, will be tough. I mean, you got the, the Hawks will be there. The, the there's three elite top. teams and then the Hawks. Yeah, and the Hawks, I mean, we'll see how the Knicks follow up. Like, we'll see if the Raptors are back. We'll see what the Pacers do. Celtics. Uh, they just fired their coach. The Celtics should be better next season. Uh, the Heat will be there. The Sixers, I, I mentioned the elite teams. I mean, we'll see what the Wizards, if they trade Beal. But if they keep Beal and Russ, like, they, they finished the season strong. They should be decent. So like, I feel like there's those elite teams. We'll see if like the Celtics can get back there. They were, had such a weird season. We'll see what moves are made. But then th- there's probably like a, lo- a bunch, a big grouping of teams, which the bulls should hopefully be in that, that are kind of similar and that they could, if things go right, maybe they can get up to whatever four, five, six, something like that and give themselves a chance in that first round. So hopefully that is the case. Uh, the off season's obviously big coming up with the, the draft lottery and is, is in, I think of, uh, just under two weeks. And that will be the first big thing of the off season. Uh, hopefully that could, uh, that goes their way and they could use that pick either for a good player or use that pick for a trade. And we'll see. 20.3% chance. Yep. It could have been a 28% chance or 29% <laughs> chance if they wouldn't have won the last game, but 20% chance one out of five that we're going to keep that pick. So we'll see. Fingers crossed. Otherwise the bulls have a pick in the second round. I believe it is pick number 38. So they will pick 38th overall. You can find some good players. I mean, Bruce Brown was the 41st pick, I think, in the draft. Yeah. I mean, Dylan uh, Brooks, we've talked about him. I mean, Nikola Jokic was the number 41 pick, MVP, NBA MVP, number 41 pick, uh, lowest, I believe, draft pick ever to win MVP in the modern era. Uh, you pray for that. Because of whatever with the AK connection, maybe he'll find a, a hidden gem diamond in the rough type again and later in the second round. Uh, prediction they trade that second round pick, maybe for this Milicic dude. Oh, yeah, this Misic, Misic. I don't know. Again, I don't know how to say his name. We'll figure it out at some point if they actually, if they yeah. do trade for him. I mean, that maybe this, maybe the Kobe injury even makes them look into that guy even harder, go after him. I don't, because I think he is like a point guard, like combo guard, point guard type. So, uh, yeah, consider that that guy as well. So 
We'll see. I got nothing else, though. We should probably wrap it up. Same. Get well, Kobe. That's our final message. Rest up, buddy. Keep your head up. Keep your head right, because I'm sure it's just a huge bummer for him. Uh, You'll be back, dude. You're a young kid. What is he, 21? (laughs) Yeah. Got a long career ahead of him, but I'm sure this is really tough for him to deal with, not only physically, but also mentally. Absolutely. All right. We'll wrap it up here. We went a little longer than we were expecting to, but whatever. We start rambling about Kobe White and the NBA playoffs, and this is what happens. Uh, As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network with the playoffs going on. We got all the great podcasts all across the Blue Wire Network. And if you're interested in stuff besides basketball, Blue Wire Network has a ton of other podcasts as well, whether NFL, uh, MLB, all these all these other sports and other other things we got going on. Just tons of stuff around the Blue Wire Network, uh, which is awesome. And for us here at Cash Considerations, as always, uh, rate and review us. Leave us those five-star ratings wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Citrus, Spotify, Google, all those good places. If you want to leave a message for us as well on Twitter, I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. If you have questions, comments, feedback, whatever, we're always open to that kind of stuff. So uh, uh, it's Thursday night here, so have a good weekend. I'm excited. I'm going to the Cubs game on Saturday. Cubs Cardinals, 100% fans back at Wrigley Field. Really looking forward to that. Uh, Should be some more great NBA playoff games this weekend as well. So happy weekend to everyone out there as well. So uh, this is from Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. We will talk to you guys next time. And get well soon, Kobe White. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.